Welcome to Business Brief, Missouri Business Alert's podcast focused on the business news and issues shaping the state. In this episode, we'll hear from an expert on how to expand a network. Then, we'll take a look at the business of haunted locations in Missouri. My name is Siggy Reese, and I'm joined by my co-host, Teddy Mayorka. Teddy, how are you doing this week? Siggy, I am doing well. You know, a bit sad that uh, the best weather of the year is now behind us after that beautiful weekend we had. Uh, But, you know, it's all right. Halloween is coming up. Time to pick out a costume. I'm very excited. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm very excited for Halloween because I love candy. Um, Swedish Fish and Sour Patch Kids are kind of my jam, so I'm so hyped. Bring it on. I gotta say, I'm a Snickers man myself, but you can't go wrong with Swedish Fish. Absolutely. You ready to jump in this week's headlines? Totally. Let's do it. The U.S. economy grew at an annual rate of 2.6% in the third quarter, according to the advance estimate released Thursday. That beat economist expectations. This comes after two consecutive quarters of negative growth. Real gross domestic product decreased in the first and second quarters of 2022. Despite the third quarter growth, though, experts cautioned the threat of a recession still looms. A federal appeals court temporarily blocked the Biden administration's student loan debt relief plan in an administrative stay last week. The Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals is hearing a motion from Missouri and five other states that would block the program's rollout. It is unclear whether or not the issue will be resolved before January 1st, when federal student loan repayments are expected to resume. And U.S. consumer confidence took a hit this month. The Conference Board Index, measuring the sentiment of American consumers, fell in October relative to September. Though consumer confidence had been increasing in months prior, inflation concerns have likely brought it down once again. The Conference Board's Expectations Index, which measures consumer outlook for the next six months regarding income, business, and labor, dropped in October. That suggests the risk of a recession could be increasing. Automotive supplier Piston Automotive is planning to open a $10 million facility in the St. Louis suburb of Wentzville. The new facility will be the Michigan-based company's second Missouri location. Piston Automotive used the Missouri Works Program, which is a state program that helps businesses expand or create jobs through withholdings or tax credits. The company plans to use the new location to increase production capacity for a variety of automotive parts. Piston Automotive chose Wentzville for its proximity to a General Motors assembly, since it has a contract to create parts for General Motors vehicles. And in some spookier news, Halloween is on Monday, and Missourians will likely notice pre-pandemic level festivities. But with that comes increased candy prices. Halloween spending is projected to reach a record total of $10.6 billion this year, a notable increase from last year's record of $10.1 billion. Costumes and decorations are also expected to see price increases due to inflation. We'll hear more about the Halloween industry later this episode. Hey, Teddy, how strong would you say your network is? Ooh, I'd I'd say it's strong growing every day, at least I hope. How about you? I would say the same, you know, it's pretty, pretty strong, but, uh, Could be better. Our next segment covers tips for building a strong and lasting network. The conversation is with Giselle Marcus, who is a diversity, equity, and inclusion professor at Washington University's Olin Business School. She also has years of corporate management experience and is a TEDx Harvard speaker on networking. 
Nice. I'm excited to hear what she has to say. Me too. Here's Missouri Business Alert reporter Skylar Rossi, who interviewed Marcus during a Facebook Live event last week. Giselle, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Skylar. Delighted to be here. Why is networking important? Why should people learn how to do it? Well, networking is important um, because I believe it is in addition to what I would call the secret sauce of getting the things that you want. Um, You know, people get things done through people. And if you take the time and the opportunity to get to know people versus those that don't, ideally, it gives you somewhat of an upper hand to be able to secure those things that are your goals and those things that are your desires. So say that I'm looking at my own network and it's looking a little bit narrow. Um, Where do I start to expand it? What are the first steps that you recommend? So... The question that I would ask someone would be, you know, what is your plan? What is it that you're trying to do? And then based on their answer to that, who are the types of people who can actually help you fulfill that goal? And once you figure that out, how would you get the opportunity to meet those people? Um, and And in some instances, people may not have specific names. There could also be organizations, you know, that could be helpful. What are your tips for making that first point of contact? And also, are there any lines that work well to, to come off in a, in a genuine way? Being humble is helpful because typically people want to help people that, um, that, it, that are curious about something generally. I mean, it's, it's hard for someone to say no. So if you display a curiosity for whatever it is that you're going after with this person and you include something about them that you and that person have in common, I would say that that actually is one way, you know, to somewhat break the ice. Um, Another way would be to find out, you know, what organizations is that person in? That could be another avenue to actually you know, be able to get an introduction. Now, if you really want to be top at your game and you look at like social media, things of that sort, and say you see this person is getting an award at an event, well, you could find yourself there, you know, and introduce yourself to them, congratulate them, ask for a meeting. So those would be three suggestions that I would make. How else do you maintain a strong connection once you reach out? So once you reach out to a person, I always suggest that you have a plan. I call it a KIT, keep in touch strategy for that person. So let's say Skylar, you and I are new to knowing each other. I am fascinated by the work that you do. So um, one thing that I'm going to do is follow you, you know, on all of your social media outlets. Um, and then what I'm going to do is put a tickler in my calendar. And this could, you know, for me, I would say maybe once a quarter where I would connect with you. And you can be planful to say things like, when I reach out to her, I'm going to you know, talk to her about one of the recent stories that you've covered, for example. Um, and maybe six months down the road, you know, it might be your birthday. I'm going to reach out about that. Or I like to wish people a happy birthday on their half yearly birthday. So I'll put that in my calendar also for your half yearly birthday to reach out because hopefully I'll be the only one doing that, (laughs) which will actually make me unique. Um, What would you say are the common mistakes that people make while networking? 
one of the common ones in terms of particularly social media, and I'll just use LinkedIn, if people just connect to you and they say nothing, like you don't know this person and they want to connect. That person, well, by me, that person gets ignored because once I put someone in LinkedIn, I always want to have some type of information about how I know that person, right? So I would say that is a blooper (laughs) for networking. Um, The other one is, second, not following up and doing what you said you would do. Number three would be be cognizant of the personality types of people. You probably won't know if you're meeting someone for the first time, but recognize some people are introverts, some people are extroverts, some people are ambiverts, which is in between. And another important part to this that I want to talk about is building a diverse network. What steps can someone take to ensure that they are not only building a strong network, but one that is diverse in all ways? So gender, race, ethnicity, age, industry, et cetera. The majority of the time, people realize that everyone in their network is very much like them. But that's just because that's natural. It's natural to gravitate towards people that are like you. And to do something different, you actually have to be intentional about it. Thank you so much for joining me today, Giselle. Thank you, Skylar. For our next story, Teddy, you've been reporting on the business of haunted locations here in Missouri. Yes, I have. It has been a a very interesting but very spooky way to get ready for the Halloween season. Oh, I can definitely imagine. As we approach the end of October, consumers are preparing for Halloween. Isn't that right? Yes. So as we talked about earlier, Halloween is one of the biggest spending holidays. The National Retail Foundation predicts Americans will spend around $10.6 billion this Halloween. And while most of that spending is focused on candy and costumes, there is a unique area that is especially prominent in Missouri. Yes, you're right. So old homes and mansions make up about 2% of tourism in Missouri each year. And the thing that drives many to these locations is the paranormal. While the operations range from small, family-owned businesses to large, city-owned programs, they all have one thing in common, paranormal activity. Interesting, and definitely very spooky. So how does the Halloween season affect business for these haunted locations? I had the opportunity to speak with a few haunted business owners from across the state, and they all said that the fall is their busiest time of year. Betsy Burnett Belanger, resident ghost hunter at the Lemp Mansion in St. Louis, joked that people only think the mansion is haunted in October. That makes sense. So what has business looked like for these different haunted locations? So the operations are all very different, but they've all seen growth post-pandemic. The Missouri State Penitentiary in Jefferson City was a prison from 1868 to 2004, and it began offering history tours in 2009, and then the ghost tours began in 2011. The penitentiary offers daytime tours that are about two hours, they also do a class, and they do overnight tours as well, ranging from five to eight hours. In 2021, the penitentiary brought in about $550,000, As of late September this year, the penitentiary had already netted $654,000, far more than last season's total. So they're already seeing some kind of growth post-COVID. The penitentiary has also received national and international attention. It's been featured in TV shows like Ghost Hunters, movies like The Haunting of Cell Block 11, and has been written about in the Daily Mail in the UK. 
Alexandra Bobbitt, communications and field manager for the Jefferson City Convention and Visitors Bureau, said that the media attention drives visitors to the penitentiary in droves. In Brumley, Missouri, near the Lake of the Ozarks, Haunted Castle House is owned by Steve and Judy Skinner, a couple from Alabama. The Skinners purchased the house as a lab for paranormal research in 2018, but they offer tours and overnight ghost hunts by reservation. The Skinner's house attracts about 100 visitors per year, but the Skinner's have had to turn away many requests every year as the couple still lives in Alabama most of the time. In 2019, the Skinner's made about $3,000 at Haunted Castle House. In 2021, in a COVID-affected year, the house made $500. This year, though, in 2022, the Skinner's estimate they'll bring in around $6,000 to $7,000. And the large majority of that comes in October. The business could earn $25,000 to $35,000 each year, Skinner said, but the house serves as a different purpose for the couple. It's more of a lab than a business for them, and they plan on keeping it that way. And the Lemp Mansion in St. Louis was built 153 years ago by the family that owned the Lemp Brewing Company. The house has since been turned into a bed and breakfast, opening to the public in 1977. But it's really more than that. The mansion has a full-service restaurant, five overnight rooms, it hosts mystery dinners and even weddings, and of course, offers ghost tours. Betsy Burnett Belanger, Lemp Mansion's resident ghost hunter for 27 years, believes there are nine identifiable spirits in the house and takes groups on history and paranormal tours every Monday. The mansion's business was restricted by COVID, but the tours are back, and it will also host 800 guests for a Halloween costume party this year. Wow, this is all very cool. But you said Halloween is the most important time of the year for these businesses, right? What does business look like during the fall or the spooky season? You're absolutely right. So the Haunted Castle House brings in about one-third of its yearly revenue during the Halloween season. Likewise, the Missouri State Penitentiary makes about 14% of its annual revenue during the same period. The penitentiary and the Lemp Mansion are larger, more diverse operations than the Castle House, so their revenue is a bit more spread out. But business tends to slow down after Halloween across the board. The penitentiary actually closes after the month of November, and it won't open back up again until March. Wow. Well, it sounds like these businesses are booming right now. I'm sure they'll be busy, especially this weekend. Definitely. It's certainly a peculiar business, but a prominent one during the fall in Missouri. It is now time for us to get into our words of the week. Teddy, what word do you have for us this week? This week, Siggy, my word is test scores. Okay, tell me what's going on with those. So a report from the National Assessment of Educational Progress released this week shows how the pandemic has affected students' test scores. Fourth and eighth graders are tested on math and reading skills every two years, but testing originally planned for 2021 was completed this year due to COVID. Got it. So what's the data showing? Well, it looks like test scores have gone down since 2019, implying a correlation between the pandemic and student performance. The percentage of Missouri eighth graders who tested at or above proficiency level in math this year was 24 percent, a significant decrease from 32 percent in 2019. And in reading, 28% of 8th graders tested at or above proficiency level, showing another large drop from 33% in 2019. Wow, that doesn't sound good. How does Missouri compare to other states? Well, the data is pretty similar. Many other states are seeing decreases in test scores in both reading and math since 2019, which could potentially mean the pandemic is impacting quality of education. That's all I've got this week. What's your word, Siggy? 
This week, I have chosen no excuse. Interesting. And what does that mean? So when I say no excuse, I'm referring to voting in Missouri. Voting. So how so? Well, a new no-excuse absentee voting period began on Tuesday, meaning voters are no longer required to state an excuse for casting an absentee ballot. Got it. So how is voter participation looking as of right now? So as of Tuesday, over 9 million Americans have cast their vote for the midterm elections. While this data does not include Missouri, it does include both mail-in ballots and in-person votes. Florida, Georgia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania have currently seen the highest numbers of ballots cast. We'll have to stay tuned to see if this data changes. For a closing thought, here's Giselle Marcus again on the importance of maintaining a connection with the people you network with. So the key to um, networking is not to be a one-hit wonder, but to actually develop a relationship. And developing a relationship means you have to keep that person engaged over a period of time. If you just engage with them one time, you are not going to develop a relationship with that person. Well, that is all for this week. Thank you to the M33 Project for providing music for this episode. For my co-host, Teddy Mallorca, editors Cole Miller, Katie Quinn, Skylar Rossi, and Michael Stacy. I'm Siggy Reese, and this has been Business Brief. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>